Hello and welcome back to another episode of Otaku Susume, or recommendations for my otaku spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. Today's episode brought to you by Jen, first and foremost. It, it is? Well, mostly. I guess. So, I think it was mostly brought on by our boredom. Uh, that too. We may have been stuck inside. I think everyone's stuck inside. But we're special. Because we're the host. Of <laughs> you're this, very special. We're the hosts of this podcast. <laughs> you're very special. Anyway, we were browsing Netflix, and Netflix released the new Dark Crystal TV series, and I had to confess that I'd never seen the film. To which Jen was horrified. Correct. Shocked. Mm-hmm. Appalled. Yep. Disgusted. Yep. So I added it to our to-watch list and left it there for about a year and a half. I don't think it was that long. The Dark Crystal TV series hasn't been out that long. I think it may have been. I don't want to check because I'll feel bad about it. Okay. But I don't think it's been that long. But that's been on our our to-watch list for a a little while. Anyway, because Jen was forcing me to watch an 80s dark fantasy, I decided that we should make it a twofer. And we also watched Legend, Mm -hmm. another 80s dark fantasy. Dark? Well, I guess high fantasy rather than dark fantasy. It's probably a bit a good better way to describe it. I mean, I'd say dark fantasy. I mean, the eighties were just kind of into that thing. Mm, it was the eighties. Labyrinth. So good. Oh, so good. Heavy metal. Actually, yeah, I think heavy metal was in the eighties. What's that? What? <sighs> what? <laughs> we'll add it to the list. <laughs> oh wait, what? <laughs> Is that a dark fantasy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, more never ending theme. story. Never ending story of the eighties. Yeah, the eighties was a weird time. It was, but great for fantasy. The eighties was a weird time. Yeah. Oh wait, was Lady Hawk an eighties movie? Lady Hawk, I think, was also from the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> just I'm just all of these eighties movies are just rushing back to me now. I know. And then the nineties came and they stopped making them. Boo! Actually, no, they made things like Dragonheart, and then those flopped, and That's they were true. like, "We're never going to make a fantasy movie again." That's true. The Princess Bride was at the end of the eighties, and it kind of mocked what came before it. I wouldn't call that dark fantasy, though. I wouldn't, but I would definitely say... It's 80s fantasy. 80s fantasy. Yeah. But more tongue-in-cheekish. Mm. And great. But we're getting off the subject. Actually, fun fact, Wes is named after the main character in uh, Princess Bride. I don't have the T in my name. Yeah, but your parents coincidentally named you Wesley shortly after watching that movie. I don't have the T in my name. Yeah, but that's only because your dad's family was slightly religious, so they couldn't really call you Wesley. Anyway. I think it's cute. I like the story. We're sticking with it. Fair enough. That's what your mum told me. (laughs) One of the things that I noticed in both of these films, Mm -hmm. and actually a lot of the movies we just mentioned, was due partially to the time they relied a lot on practical effects. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. And they were good practical effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jim Henson Henson Studio... Uh, yeah. Famous for a reason. Of course. The Dark Crystal is almost entirely different forms of puppetry, both manned and unmanned. And in Legend, you get the exact opposite, where it's a lot of people wearing more prosthetics in the style. Yeah, the prosthetics were amazing. Yeah, I'm completely just... It was made by Ridley Scott, which surprised me when I saw it in the opening credit. And he's known for going above and beyond when he makes his films. So that doesn't surprise me that he'd do that. I also wonder if it was because it was a time when... It- if you complained as an actor, you were going to be out of a job. So you couldn't really complain when you were stuck for five hours getting shoved into a prosthetic suit and having makeup applied to you every single part of your body. As sure. opposed to now where people complain about being put into a prosthetic suit for five hours and so they CG 
most of the effects onto them rather than putting them into prosthetics. You mean and then it looks horrible that somehow that character gets more and more of a central role as the series goes on until no one wants to watch the series anymore? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. I was talking about Mystique. Yeah, I know. I was talking about her too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was also the 80s. It was a time of extravagance. Mm. Lots of money. Like, yeah, I never thought of that. Here's a crazy thing. In Legend, a lot of it takes place in a forest. Correct. That entire forest was built indoors on a soundstage. Wait, really? Yes. Did you look this up afterwards? Yes. Wow. Because I was curious about it. Wow. It's a pretty realistic... I mean, there's parts of it. I mean, it, it's it's almost too fairy tale for us to be true, which in fact it was. But it was pretty realistic looking. But I'm from England, and I know a lot of forests that look like that. That's because England is a fairy tale. I don't see what the issue is here. Well, then the Dark Forest in Germany, but that's an entirely different sort of fairy tale. Eee. But we were talking about it recently. As we were walking around town, which we're not supposed to do because we're in lockdown. So we were, we, were, admit- we were walking around the neighborhoods that were abandoned. Yes. And when we were going to get groceries, which is still acceptable, even in times of tri- trial. But these movies had great practical effects, except for the weird bunny creatures in Dark Crystal. Those oh, were really yeah. badly done. Those were clearly just people in poor fitting outfits wearing bunny masks on stilts. Yes. Every, that They stuck out to me, too, because everything else in the movie has so much detail and effort put into it, and then you get the weird bunny creatures that are just garbage. I think it's because they, ha- they had to move, and everything. they had to film the movie, whereas everything else could be filmed while staying in the same place. But you, you see, like, the mystics walking around. Yeah, but those are kids in outfits. No, no, no not, not the oh, Gelflings, the mystics. Oh, you're, you're right. Yeah, and but they're in see... really, really big clothes that hides That's the people true. underneath. And the, what are they called? The Skerricks have a sword fight. That was pretty fun. Yeah. I don't know. I just, they just stuck out to me as being so far below the level of everything else in the movie. Mm. But you could see where the prosthetics or the, the, I guess, stilt started and the human started. Yeah. And then the costumes didn't really fit that well either. Mm. Anyway. Maybe that was a last minute thing that they had to squeeze in to be like, we need to get these characters from A to B. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But we were talking about it the other day in relation to the recent Hobbit films. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were. Because if you look at these in the 80s, they are fantastic. And then you look at, for instance, Lord of the Rings, which came out right around the year 2000, all practical effects, and they are fantastic. We were talking about Jurassic Park in the 90s, mm-hmm. which is mostly practical effects with like the huge T-Rex and everything. Still looks amazing. And then you get to The Hobbit, where there's a story that they were running the final cut of it down the red carpet because it wasn't even done until literally last second, and it already looks dated and bad. Cats. Cats. It's the same cats. They had to put out a patch while it was in theaters, because they just hadn't even <laughs> yep. finished the CGI. Imagine that, a first day patch for a movie, because you didn't get it done in time. I think Cats is still running on the West End also. So you have a beloved musical, been running now for, what, 30-something years? With the costume With and the how they're going to do the prosthetics down to a T. Yeah. I, it's, and then they mocked it. They had, I can't think of his name. Oh, British. James Corden. Yeah. James Corden and the Australian from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, I forget what her name is. Um, but they had the two of them who are in Cats presenting an award at the Oscars, and they wanted to mock the whole thing. So they showed up pretty much in the suits like you'd use in the stage production, and they looked totally fine. Ish, yeah. I mean, it's a stage production. So it's kind of you. But the thing as well, as I saw afterwards, was one of, one of the people who was working on the CG for that was like, we basically they had to do crunch for a movie. Yeah. And they were treated like crap and then let go. 
Yeah, I. but it, I, it's just so... Yeah. And part of it is what you were just saying is that it's hard to put people in a chair for hours and expect them not to complain, which for things like um, Tim Curry and Legend wearing the giant Satan outfit was in there for hours. Didn't you say he injured himself? Yeah, there was something about that and that one day in getting the costume off, he took it off too quickly and like tore some of his actual skin off with the costume. Oof, oof, so they had to edit the costume, how it was applied, so that it wouldn't injure him in the future. I think you were also saying that because of that, they reshot some of the starting scenes so you don't see him until he steps out of the mirror. Which was great. Yeah, that was a really cool effect. Now, that was also, we ended up watching the director's cut. Ah, because Ridley yes. Scott is never happy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking back, actually. The version of Gladiator that I've probably seen the most is the director's cut. Um, I don't know what version I've seen. The version of uh, Blade Runner. I mean, that's got half a dozen different cuts. Yeah, you showed me... The director's cut. The director's or the cut. final cut. I don't remember what the difference is. We never talked ones. about that, did we? That oh. was just one of the ones you recommended to me and I watched. I think we just watched the movie and had fun. Yeah. But part of that is, so we watched the director's cut, and in the original cut that came out in the 80s, they kept some of the footage that they'd shot before that, so you see him beforehand and all that, as opposed to just a shadowy figure giving orders. Mm -hmm. But I really liked how they did it, where he doesn't, until he reveals himself to the heroine, you as the audience also don't see him. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. But, so you've got all these amazing practical effects, why are you relying on crappy CG? Oh, nowadays, yeah. Uh, it kills me too because like the character like the goblins in this look a little bit cartoony but they fit the tale as being told because you've literally got the german fairy tale forest you've got the baker and his wife uh sitting there in a cottage with a brand new baby and it's like built into a tree or something and all these types of things it's a german fairy tale forest you've got a princess and all that so they kind of fit that image and so long as you're looking at it from that style it's pretty well done i think because I mean, those, as you said, A, the 80s were pretty affluent. Also, I feel like though those movies, Legend and Dark Crystal, were cult hits. They weren't popular when they first came out. But they were definitely labors of love. Like, I think they were made because they knew that it wasn't going to make, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars. They were made because they wanted to make a movie or make movies about this stuff in, in this way. And mm -hmm. nowadays, I mean, Cats is pretty obvious. I mean, The Hobbit clearly was made because money yeah lord of the rings walked away with so many oscars and all this money and so how do we expand upon yeah. that and well people are going to go watch it anyway so we don't really need to put as much effort in i hate that yeah i hate it too i think that's why is because they're cutting corners and i think also because nowadays you don't have as many people who are skilled in making puppets and making prosthetics or you do but they're expensive True. I, they've got shows about it. Oh, yeah. There's some great shows on whatever Face it was. Face Off? Face Off was I one think. of them. I mean, they're American reality TV shows, so they ramp up the drama that doesn't need to be there. But at the yeah. same time, you see people doing really cool things and making these prosthetic masks and everything. A friend of mine in the UK, she does cosplay, but um, her specialty is um, mascot suits. And she's like, her costumes are amazing. And she's even worked on, um, ma she made the dragon for a production of Shrek. Musical. Oh, cool. Yeah, for one of the smaller productions. But like, so, so you have talented people out there. For just some reason, there isn't the industry anymore to hire them, I guess. It's a shame, because they do look good. But looks aren't everything. We also have to talk about the story. <laughs> oh, the stories. Yeah, it was, it was the 80s. It was... Um, 
I wasn't really blown away by the story in either of them. No, but then again, as you said, they were cheesy fantasy. It was kind of your typical, I guess in both of them, go defeat the bad guys and save the world kind of thing. Yeah. That's pretty much what fantasy boils down to. I think they tried to add more of a message in Dark Crystal, which to me didn't go over, so it kind of made it fall flat a bit more. I think by sticking just to the, this is a fairy tale, here's a guy, here's a girl, they're in love, there's evil, go defeat it, it works pretty well for Legend. But they tried to add the whole, spoilers, mystics and skythax, skythics, whatever they're called, are um, the same. Oh shoot, no that's not what they're called, but I forgot what they are called. <laughs> oh no, I'm a terrible person. But they try to add in like this whole, they're the same beings torn into, torn asunder and they need to be reformed to become whole again. And I think that more boiled down to the whole prophecy, the one type story, like narrative. True, but I don't know. I thought, I didn't think it worked as well. Also, it felt something that Into the Woods did really well. Sorry to go off on a tangent again, was it literally said all these legends happen in the Black Forest. So we can put them all in the Black Forest and it doesn't matter. And I think with Legend, that works pretty well and that everything happens in the one forest and that works pretty well. But with Dark Crystal, you they kind of set it up at the beginning that the whole planet has become tainted and destroyed by the power of the Dark Crystal and all those types of things. But everything happens in one little spot. Well, I think they do travel because they, that's why you get the, ba- the bunny rabbit. They, they do, thingy. but at the same times when they're doing that, the... Mythics just kind of go... Oh, plot along, yeah. yeah. They just kind of plot along and go, oh, we got to go to the castle, it's time now. And they just kind of show up there. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, and then they just walk in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess because the guards are kind of distracted. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I, I I found that part kind of weird. You have these, like, a few shots of them trotting along, going, whoop, doop, 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 and then they're there. Ta-da! Yeah, I never got... I never felt a sense of scale. It was kind of a problem that I've actually had with a lot of Star Wars movies, and that when each planet is a single, whatever they're called, bionome, something like that, you know, you have an ice planet and a jungle planet and a swamp planet. Oh, yeah. You have one Gee. thing on the yeah. whole thing. It feels small because we live on a planet that has everything everywhere. I guess arguably you could say that the characters just land in that one part of that planet. Yes, but I guess it's just arguably. At, the, at the beginning <laughs> when they're talking about how the entire planet is corrupted and falling apart. I, it just struck me as weird. So speak like the thing that struck me the most out of the these two films more than the the overarching stories for both of them I found perfectly fine. They were simple, but you know they did their job of telling a story. Yes. The individual scenes, however, or more specifically how the individual scenes connected, was really disjointed at times. Like the character would say one line in one scene and then the camera would cut and then suddenly their personality would be completely different and saying something completely uh, contrary to what they just said. Like when um, Tom Cruise's character and I really should have written these names down, but Tom Cruise's character and the little boy uh, centaur thing go into hell or wherever it is that Tim Curry's demon character is. And the, uh, the centaur type character goes, Oh, don't worry. Trust the girl that you're you're in love with because you know her best. And then in the next one, he's like, "Kill her! Kill her now!" And he's like, "Why you just told me to trust her?" If you're not gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think part of that might come from the fact that this is the director's cut. So scenes were filmed to fit 
he's half filming what he wants to film and half filming what's going to make the final cut. Yeah. And so then he kind of sticks it together with, we need this and this and this, and you can't go back and reshoot a couple decades later. But no, it, it really was disjointed at times. Or like um, when they're setting up all the mirrors to bring light down to the demon and the dwarf at the top just falls asleep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? I mean, he's already set up to be not very reliable. But at the same time, all you had to do was set up a mirror, man. Yeah. I guess it was to create tension, but the way they edited it, it was just like, hang on, when did... There wasn't really any flow from him getting to the top to him falling asleep. It was just boop. Yeah. Tension. The fairy's up there. She needs to wake him up. And then there were bits that... Like, the whole bit with the swamp hag. Oh, yeah. That was cool. It was cool, and I liked it, and I liked the look of the swamp hag, and I like how that whole thing went down. But it's never really brought up again. No, it's really and it's not. not really let into either. She just kind of turns up, dies, spoiler, and then they carry on. Yeah. Well, he loses his sword. He doesn't get that back. He has to find another sword. Oh, yeah, that's true. But even still, it just kind of happened, which was weird. I also found the princess was a little inconsistent with her character. Well, I was surprised to see her in the first place, just because outside of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I was like, wait, I don't think I've actually seen this actress in anything else. And we looked up the other movies that she's been in, and I don't think we've seen anything else she has been exactly. in. I don't think we've even heard of anything else she's yeah. been in. But this was her debut. This was before Ferris Bueller. Ooh. Wasn't it? I think we looked that up. Anyway. I, I don't remember. But yeah, so I was surprised to see her. But but yeah, I found her her character seemed to swing from I'm an innocent girl to I'm going to seduce this wild boy to I'm going to bitch and moan and cry and whinge to I'm a badass princess back to I'm going to cry and scream again and then i'm gonna fake being evil evil. even though five seconds ago she was whinging (laughs) it was just it was a bit of a a pms moment it was very inconsistent characterization for her yes yeah but there was one thing i liked in dark crystal however in terms of characterization was um when the one of the bad guys tries to tempt the main guy Mm. Yes. And the girl, Gelfling, is like, no, don't listen to him. And he goes, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to listen to him because he's a bad guy. Let's get out of here. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, a main character that has common sense. You never see that. <laughs> but what if he hadn't actually been bad? They were just judging him based on what he was, not who he was. Yeah, and they were right. But they didn't know that. But they did because he's evil. I mean, this is high fantasy words. They're clearly evil. Just justifying racism over there. What? Poor little skeletal bird people. That we can't even remember the names of because we're terrible people. I thought it was Skithics. I'll look it up. (laughs) Halfway through the episode. We are the worst. While you look that up, I did like the fact that they didn't have to explain everything in either of them. They give you what you need to know to continue the story along, but they don't feel the need to over explain every little detail or plot point. Like when they first send um, the little Gelfling off to find the Shard of the Dark Crystal. So that he can heal it. They don't go into some huge backstory about why this weird sage lady is insane and lives and can like take out her eyes and show them to people and follows, has this weird astronomical lair and all those types of things. Everyone's got to have their hobbies. Exactly. It's Skeksis. 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 Okay. Skeksis. I was close. I can't pronounce it. It's fine. The only, actually, the only character's name I can remember is Fizzwig. That's because he's the best character. In either movie. <laughs> in either movie? Who's the Fizzwig character in Legend? No, I'm just saying that he's better than everyone in Legend. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Fizzwig is the best, and Tim Curry is number two. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Tim Curry is so good. I, I mean, he's Tim Curry. You can't not love Tim Curry. But yeah, when he first steps out in the full costume, when uh, Princess Brat is being tempted <laughs> to the dark Brat. side, and he just comes out. Ah, uh, he, he's so slimy. He's so suave. Uh, I thought. I think he's suave more than slimy. Uh, I don't know. He's got. He's got. Uh, he's got the voice. He does. He does. He's got a great voice. He's Tim Curry. Yeah. Actually, I mean, pretty much all the time we were watching Legend, I kept thinking of Fern Gully, where he voices Hex, the cloud of pollution. My toxic ooze. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I kept getting big vibes to, actually from both of these, I think just because of the designs and everything. I've already brought it up, but Labyrinth. Well, I mean, it, Labyrinth was also, actually, the Labyrinth is Labyrinth kind of a Jim mix Henson. of the two. Yeah, because you've got all the Jim Henson puppets. You've got the weird goblins everywhere. And then you've got the evil villain. The kind evil, of, like, seducing, sexy overlord villain. Yeah, seducing the heroine. Yeah. Oh, God, the tension Gen- Jennifer in... Jennifer Connelly is the best heroine, though. Yes. And the tension in the labyrinth where he just he just has this look in his eyes and it's like, ooh, teenage me was very happy with that movie. Oh, did you like David Bowie's tight letter pants? I like David Bowie's face. I think he has such a nice face. Uh Uh-huh. And that's why you picked up contact juggling for a few years? No, no, no. That was many years later. Oh, of course. Of course. But it may have been because of a friend I made also was into that movie. But that's besides the point. (laughs) (laughs) Any more of this and you'll be sent to the bog. No, not the bog. (laughs) Wait, we're talking about Legend and the Dark Crystal. (laughs) But now I just want to rewatch The Labyrinth. We could do that. We're stuck inside. We have time. We have a lot of other movies we want to watch. It's true. But with these movies and the other 80 movie, 80s movies that we brought up, it really did just kind of... So I was born in the late 80s, and you were born in the even later 80s. I was only born like a year after you, a year and a half. I said late and even later. I'm not exactly putting a huge distance between us. Okay. So night... I mean, you would have had these movies from like video rental stores growing up. Correct. Or maybe your parents copied one of them onto a VHS when it yeah, was being shown on TV. yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you'd grow up with movies in our days. And in my day. So we didn't, we didn't see them in the theater or anything. Our childhood with ease would be watching them on a VHS at home on your own sofa, probably on a small little TV somewhere. And yet they're still so indelible. They just, you can't forget them. And, and not just because of nostalgia. Not, I mean, nostalgia is definitely a part of it, but they're able to cause that. And I don't, movies nowadays are so flashy and so big and so fancy but they don't a lot of them just don't have that same hook for me i bet i bet they do for younger people again i wonder if again it's a level of nostalgia but i feel like even if young people watched these movies they'd be hooked the same way that we were it's kind of hard to tell yeah because i mean if i go back and watch actually no a timeless classic arsenic and old lace yes that was released in the 1950s 30s wasn't it 30 I want to say 50. And it doesn't matter. It, it, was, it was a long time ago. Like, cl- obviously, we didn't watch it in the cinema. We couldn't have. Josh might have, but... <laughs> yeah, but he's also, like, 200 years old. It's true. But um, but it, it, for me, is one of those timeless classics, and I feel like these are also, in in a way, timeless classics. And I'm trying to think... I I bet well, there are modern movies that are, that have become timeless classics. Like, Harry Potter is a staple because it's Harry Potter. And uh, oh, a timeless classic is one of those movies that is shown on the TV all the time. Okay. However, I guess we're in the kind of era where people don't watch TV anymore. They're we're watching the everything. Era. 
Yeah. And everything's streaming. Yeah. Ooh. How's that going to work? Yeah. But I, I think also part of it for me was saying that you can watch these and they're dated, but they're not old, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And yet when I watch something like, if, if someone made me go rewatch The Hobbits, because I'm not going to do it by choice, they're just, they're old. Yeah. Already. It doesn't matter. The CG looked bad when it came out. The it, I, I, feel, I feel really weird saying it too, because The Hobbit tried to be more hokey than Lord of the Rings. When you look at the designs of the dwarves, they've all got very cartoonish figures and all that. But it it failed, and I don't think it's going to endure. Like, I mean, these ones, I, I've already, I've been describing these things as hokey, as cartoonish, as trying to be fairy tales and living up to it. But it's what they tried to do when they did it great. And I don't think The Hobbit did that. And you don't get fantasy movies like this anymore. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen the TV series for The Dark Crystal. No, that's part of why we watched the movie was so we could watch it. Yeah, and I'd be really intrigued to see how they handled that. Yeah. Well, I think you can look at, we haven't seen this TV series, obviously, but around the same time The Dark Crystal came out would have been when the Star Wars movies were coming out, the originals. And Jim Henson played one of the key roles in the original Star Wars movies. Which one? Yoda. Yoda was originally a Jim Henson puppet. Yes. And when you compare Yoda in the original movies to Yoda in the prequel movies, where he's gone from being a puppet to a CG creature, Ugh. Ugh. he just Ugh. he moves entirely differently. They he has giant flippy lightsaber duels and everything. Yeah, they tried to make it look cool, and in doing so, ruined what made it work. What made Yoda Yoda? Yeah. And I so a little bit of me worries about that. I guess with the TV show, I guess we'll have to see it and maybe come back. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I knew as soon as he was introduced and he was making that noise that uh he was, he, he was Oh yeah. Wait, that is the same noise that Yoda makes. Oh that's slightly it's similar. It's but... slightly different, yeah, but but just <laughs> What was he, the Chancellor? The cha- yeah. No, Chamber- the cha- Chamberlain? Chamberlain Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Uh he was he was they're the bad guys, but they're my favorite characters in that movie. I think probably because they had so much personality as opposed to all the good guy versions of them which are just boring yeah but each each one of them was different each one of them was conniving each one of them was only looking out for themselves just they were evil but gloriously so and i've always enjoyed that i, I think that's what we like about tim curry as well i think it's what we like about tim curry is just and just a lot of disney villains they're bad guys because they're bad guys yeah you don't need to redeem them just let them be evil because they want to be, because they're good at it. And I do like it when you get nuanced evil characters, but you're right, there is a time when you can just get just a really evil person and you love to hate them. You just love to watch them. Yes. I mean, yeah, we've watched movies where you have bad guys who are just gross, disgusting people. Oh, yeah, like the one in in the Stalin movie, The Death Death of Stalin. Stalin, I was like, oh, that's such a horrible bad guy. Yeah, but there was... There was a style of bad guy. When bad guys had class. <laughs> like twiddling their mustaches. Not even... I. Yeah, I don't know. It was like you were saying about Hexus, though. Yeah. They, and uh, David Bowie. The yeah, Goblin David King. Bowie in the Labyrinth. Ugh, so good. Uh, Ursula and the Little Mermaid. Mm. They just... Ooh, I love it. And <laughs> just then, hear that name and you shiver. Fussa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's because they're slightly... If that's where the British Ponzi villain idea came from, is because it's it's oh shoot they're all British aren't it's they sexy I don't think I don't think I wouldn't say Tim Curry is British though he's just Tim Curry Tim Curry that's true but he filled in for Jeremy Irons who's very British in the Lion King we're getting off the subject 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying at the end of this is you recommended the Dark Crystal movie to me. Yes. Because I hadn't seen it and because we wanted to watch TV series. And I'm now very much looking forward to watching the TV series. Yay. So thank you for recommending it, Jen. You're welcome. And thank you for recommending Legend, even though I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise. But Tim Curry made up for it, so it's fine. Yeah. Really, Tim Curry should have won that at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise is the real bad guy here. It's always true. <laughs> and thank you to all of you for listening to another episode of Ultra or recommendations for our Myotak spouse. You can find us online at AnnaBroseCreative.com or on Twitter at AnnaBroseCreative. I was Jen. And I was Wesley. I don't know where we'll be going forward. But we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.